Welcome to Heels in the Courtroom, a podcast about successfully navigating law and life, featuring the women trial attorneys at the Simon Law Firm. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Heels in the Courtroom. This is Erica Slater, and today I'm joined by the whole crew, Liz Lenevy, Amy Gunn, Mary Simon, and Elizabeth McNulty. Hey, everyone. Hey. Hey. So today we're going to talk about a recent experience that's been very close to my, I guess, last 10 months because I've been running for an elected position, a lawyer position, and and I'll tell you all about it. But I realized that among this room, we have two presidents of current organizations in Missouri. And of course, all of us have had experience running for boards and serving on boards and being involved in what I like to call legal extracurriculars. That's kind of part of our firm's culture. We're involved in our you know, larger legal community. We go to things. That is, we kind of see that as part and parcel of our practice to always be engaged with other lawyers, engaged with our community, whether it's a civic organization or a legal organization. So I'll tell you a little bit about my recent campaign. It is not over. <laughs> when this comes out, it'll still be going on. So if you are a lawyer in the city of St. Louis and you live there, you should go vote for Erica Slater for the 22nd Judicial <laughs> Commission. Please uh, allow my own podcast to be a shameless plug. <laughs> but this is in Missouri for our non-Missouri lawyers and professionals listening. In Missouri, we have what's called the nonpartisan court plan. And Missouri was the first state to adopt this way of selecting judges. In our larger counties in Missouri, including the city of St. Louis and St. Louis County, and as well as the appellate court and the Supreme Court in Missouri, we select our judges based on an, a merit-based application system. And that commission is made up of two lay people appointed by the governor, two attorney representatives who are elected by the attorneys that live in that county or jurisdiction. And then the for the countywide commissions, it is the chief judge of the appellate court in which that county resides, who is the head of the commission. And then for the appellate and Supreme Court commissions, it's the chief judge of the Supreme Court who's the head of those commissions. So the the term is six years. It's a long time to be in a volunteer position that actually when it's active and there's a lot of judicial vacancies, there's a lot of work to be done. Any lawyer can apply for a judicial vacancy. You end up informally and publicly informally interviewing every applicant for every judicial vacancy. And then the commission of five selects a panel of three to give to the governor, and the governor appoints the judge for that vacancy out of that panel of three. So this position is actually the the six-year term. It really ends up being very quiet work, if you will. What's not quiet is running for the position and trying to get elected. So I can't think of when I've had a contested election for any of the boards I've served on. So this has been a new experience. I filed to run for this about 10 months ago and only had a competitor turn up a couple weeks ago. So I had always ran the campaign as if I would have a competitor. I've been thinking about running for this for several years. Amy, if you remember, you're sitting at a conference where part of the topic was, you know, recruiting people to run for these positions. And I casually said four or five years ago, 
I think I'd like to do that one day. And you lost your mind. And I realized I flipped a switch somewhere. <laughs> it was on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that was a really important moment for me in my career because I had just said something offhand, literally whispered sitting next to you, like, I'd, I'd like to do that one day. And you immediately were like, I had no idea you wanted to do that. Let's make it happen. And it was such like a immediate and confident reaction that I like actually then was like, oh, you think that's actually something I can do? Yes. But I mean, you know, at the time, we talk about sometimes in leadership positions, women have to be asked. And I wasn't necessarily asked, but I was immediately supported. So thus began a four or five year process of planning to run for this position. And so, you know, it's not something I take lightly. And it's one of the first things in my career that's not just planning and trying to be a good candidate for where you work, but having this position that is often contested. The elections are often contested, although once in a while someone runs unopposed. So the the whole process has been several years long, but the actual election, once I filed 10 months ago, has been, I'd say, an extremely rewarding thing because I've had a platform to reach out to people that I wouldn't usually reach out to or have a reason to, and not only ask them to support me in the election, but also be bringing them into my circle, be bringing them into this process, because those people who are stakeholders and leaders in our professional community are going to be the same people that I will lean on and ask for help in recruiting or want their opinions. And let me say, too, that group is really diverse as it kind of runs the gamut from, you know, criminal and civil and plaintiff and defendant and prosecutors and defenders. And they all are the stakeholders of our system. So a plaintiff civil attorney is going to ask much different questions about a person's track record than a a public defender or a prosecutor, and they all have their own angle. And for me to be able to do this job correctly, if I get the opportunity to, I can't just be thinking with my own hat. I think it's really important to bring in those other perspectives. Um, So the opportunity to reach out and connect with those people and people who I will want to, you know, foster that relationship with going forward um, so I can do the work as best I can has been a very rewarding experience so I remember that moment we were at a conference and it was the topic of the group of people I think was a general one about judicial commission and who might be interested or I think batting around some names for that and your interest in it did excite me because I had every confidence that you would do a great job and even four or five years ago I knew that it was obvious to me because you're honest and hardworking and diplomatic and dedicated to the cause of how we pick judges in Missouri at least in St. Louis and Kansas City and Greene County and so it wasn't a blind confidence that I had in your interest it was really one of oh this is awesome because you're going to be great at it And that has been proven true by how much you've worked over the last years for this, particularly the last 10 months. 
I mean, it is, I mean, I know you have an opponent who recently filed, as you mentioned, and, and I'm sure that person will work and maybe has worked, but not to the extent of what you've done. And I think that will be reflected in the results. But there's one thing I think we do need to talk about since this is a podcast of powerful women, and it is that there has not been a woman in that position, the lawyer position, for many years. The last woman who was elected was 17 years ago. Okay. And and not for lack of trying, not for lack of candidates. And so that was another element that I know influenced you a bit and also influenced me and those who believe that representation is important in all aspects of the law, including judicial commissions. You know, our statistics in Missouri are pretty good about women on the bench, but isn't it ridiculous that the people picking the women on the bench haven't been women for the last 17, at least lawyer women for the last 17 years? And God knows we haven't had a woman governor. Representation matters, as we know and as we preach, and I think as we'll probably talk about throughout the rest of this podcast about boards and commissions and things like that. I know that you have had your fair share of bumps along this way because anytime you are in a contested election, it it's gonna that's gonna show up because there are other people for whatever reason who don't want you to have this position. Well, and I think too having started the campaign so early, the strategy really was to show how serious I was about the position, and there was also no reason to wait. So putting my money where my mouth is immediately was intended to keep others out of the race. And I think part of that is the names that cropped up like, oh, this person's going to run against you, and this person's going to run. And we heard that for 10 months, and like it didn't really happen until right right at the end. So, yeah, I mean, that was was interesting because it was mostly boys. It was all boys. All boys. (laughs) Let's be clear. It was all boys. But look... I have a great deal of enthusiasm and confidence that this is going to go your way and that you're going to do a tremendous job for our community, legal and otherwise, for the folks that you vet and vote for to be on the panel to go to the governor. So I appreciate your willingness to do it. I think a lot of us, including myself over the years, although I... I do stand by the notion that I have a hard time saying no. So if something comes up, I mean, I'm usually going to, I'm, I'm usually going to consider it. But what I loved is that you, this was a volunteer. This, you were like, your hand went up. And I think that is important. It's an important thing to have within yourself. And it's an important thing to teach other people that you don't have to be asked. It's nice to be asked. It's, it's, it's really nice to be approached and for other people to present these things to you. But if we wait for those opportunities, they won't always come. Mm-hmm. So you do have to put yourself out there, and I'm proud of you for that. Amy, I agree with that completely. And it was something that I had kind of seen on the horizon, but it was very dynamic in this whole process to have your immediate yes, absolutely. Because the fact that I said it out loud in a very whispered way didn't make it real, (laughs) but someone, you know, kind of holding you accountable saying, Mm -hmm. 
is that something you want to do? Yes, that can happen. That made me realize that that could be an opportunity sooner than later. It's not something that, you know, I sat there and never got around to doing. Um, So the encouragement was really important, which I appreciate. I've been trying to make a name for myself for a long time by being part of the group of attorneys who are connected, who are engaged, which is what I've seen you guys all do when you've run for the different positions that you've run for. So Amy, right now you're Madam President. Yes. And that is the is a statewide attorney organization, Missouri Association of Trial Attorneys. And that was a long road. Oh my goodness. Yes. Well, yes. So I'm gonna go back even before Mata to Women's Lawyer Association, WLA. I had a friend, this is, uh, I lose track of time, many, many years ago, who was the, I think she must have been an incoming president. And at that time I was a member, but not on the board, not that involved. So this was at least 15 years ago. And she said, I'd like for you to be on the board. And I took that to mean there was an opening and it was an appointment. And I don't like to say no because opportunity is there. So I said, sure. And then it turns out it was contested. And I thought, what? This is bait and switch. I don't know what to do. And then I got, it was a short period of time. And the board of WLA, you'll have to five positions. And usually there's six or seven people that run, sometimes more, sometimes less, just depending on the year. So this wasn't like, and the, the top five vote getters, you know, get on. And, but it was the first time that I can remember really being in a, quote, contested election. And that was a short period of time. And there really, really was no campaigning except sending out a few emails to people that I knew. And luckily, I, I got on. But I was nervous just for that little, little adventure. So when, when I look at, Erica, again, what you're doing, it is amazing to me, kind of putting yourself out there. That's a lot. I had there was a thought that I had maybe five years ago about running for a public office. I was approached and and I have to say that I considered it for, you know, a few weeks and there had been a little bit of a rumor that I was considering it. And there was a little bit of a, there's a, a blog. And so it was, it was on the blog that I was considering this and even the consideration of it brought the other party's surrogates out attacking me and my husband. And I was like, I have just barely mentioned, I didn't even, I, it didn't even come from me. There was a rumor that I had been approached or whatever it is. And um, I, I was like, this is ridiculous. And so I did have a moment and I thought, look, I know I'd be good at that job. I'd I'd be good at that job. And I think I'd even be good at campaigning for that job, but I don't need that job. Mm -hmm. And I don't need the spotlight. I mean, we do have a certain spotlight already being plaintiff's trial attorneys just by nature of being trial attorneys. But to volunteer to put yourself in a spotlight in that capacity you really have to just weigh like would that be worth it on that stage on that stage yeah. and my answer was yeah no <laughs> that's a hard no so but going to the the matter i mean it was an election but ultimately 
getting on the executive committee, which is where you start and then you stair step nine years to the presidency, getting the year that I was put on the executive committee or voted onto the executive committee, it was uncontested. But prior to that, St. Louis, the St. Louis spot comes up every three years. And that has been an interesting ride, a long ride. I enjoy it very much. I'm happy to contribute or continue to contribute to this organization and by virtue of that contribute to the profession, particularly the plaintiff's trial bar. But it is a lot. (laughs) It takes a lot of time. And sometimes I think we get on the ride and we're not sure exactly where it's going to take us and that's or if okay. you did know you might not start right <laughs> right and, and but that's okay I don't I think there's something to be said for at some point in this career you get to a place where you're comfortable and you're competent and there are new things that come down the road but they're not and, and, and they're challenging but they're not you know you're not staying up all night worrying about things and so mm-hmm. When you have that space available, you run it filled with other things. The timing of my presidency has really kind of worked out. Elizabeth, what made you want to be the president of the Women's Lawyer Association? I didn't initially have any real ambition to want to be president. 2021, I think this spring, things were kind of picking back up after COVID. And I wanted to get a little bit more involved in the community outside of you know, work, but still kind of professional adjacent. I'd always been very involved in extracurricular activities. So I talked to Amy about it. I guess she is like the king maker here. Just, <laughs> I mean, queen maker. Right. She's also a former <laughs> past WLA president. Because you had time on the board, then came off, and then you were asked to be president and served that that yeah. section on the board. Yeah. I was well. asked to be a vice president to a good friend of mine and serve as her vice president and then president. Sure. And yeah. I actually, I was really glad I, I did that because I love her. And it, leaving the board at the time felt a little unfulfilled. And so I was glad to have the opportunity to come back. Yeah. Well, and, and Elizabeth, when you got on, like gaining that institutional knowledge for a couple of years before you get there makes sense. Yeah, so I wanted to get involved in WLA, talk to Amy about it, and just so happened to run for a position on the board, just member at large. And that was the only, that was a contested election, which is, I didn't do a whole lot of campaigning for. And then there was just kind of an opening, and it was who wants to step up, and I happened to throw my hat in the ring and here we are I served as immediate past president and then took over as president this this coming year so the way I look at leadership has always been just kind of like a call to serve I'm not going to do it to be in like a contested election that's not something that I want to do I I don't want to like campaign or anything like that but if I'm needed to do something I'll step up and do it just because I like the work and stuff like that is fun for me but I don't need to do it just to you know for my own ego I think I the job is this job uh, provides for my ego enough (laughs) I think that's the hard thing too because Amy even like you said with considering running for a public office getting on the other side of the election is such a barrier Mm -hmm. and this election that I've been involved in has been fine so as we're recording 
the voting, the three weeks of voting opens tomorrow. So we're right on the eve of, of this time period. But even knowing what it was up to this point, I would have still engaged in it. But at the same time, like you're running because you want to do the work. Like you said, Elizabeth, like you could pass on a campaign, <laughs> you know, right. it's an important part of the process. Right. Maybe the fact that it washes some people out is good if you don't want to for this particular position. Like if you're not willing to put yourself out there and your name out there because you do need to rally the support of all the attorneys in this county. Maybe you're not the right person to do the work on the other side. Amy, like you're saying, even the whisper of considering like pulls in a backlash that you're just like, oh, let's yeah. talk about the things I don't need in my life is that campaign. Although on the other side of it, I mean, sky's the limit. But yeah, getting on the other side of something like that is just... It's a lot. It, a very careful consideration, I assume. So, Elizabeth, we were just at your installation uh, banquet dinner a couple of weeks ago, and your speech was wonderful. Mm -hmm. Your Thank presence you. was divine. Uh, your mother and father were there, which was adorable. Thank you. Did you enjoy that experience? Did you enjoy that evening? There was a lot of buildup to it, I'm not going to lie. I think that... It's funny the whole time I, I thought the president has to plan their own event. And I think that that's <laughs> I mean, it's nice because it's it's supposed to be personal. It's supposed to be about the president. You get to do whatever you want to do. But there's also not a lot to really delegate to anyone or maybe just because I'm a control freak and I'm just going to do it all on my own. But so it's there's a tiny a, wedding. Yeah. <laughs> and also, yeah, the venue people were like, well, you're so laid back. I was like, this isn't my wedding. I don't. <laughs> Just do whatever, like you know. Anyway, but once I got there, I was just like, oh, this, this is going to be fun. And I, I enjoyed it. It was nice. I was glad when it was over, though, just yeah. because it's a lot of pressure. And I don't know. I'm, I'm a fairly young president of the WLA. It is a, it's a group of women, and it is it spans all ages, I'd say. But it is also there are plenty of older women and as anyone that's involved in women's groups knows, it can be a very particular group of people. And I'm sure a lot of people are like, who are you and why are you leading our organization? So it's just like, I'm here to serve these people and I want to make them happy. This is not about me. Right. So I was just glad when it went off and everything, everyone was happy. That was kind of the goal of the That's evening. a big feat that yes. everyone is happy. And and you should be proud of that. And we're proud of you for that, for giving of your time. And the, because the WLA is an organization, it's, it's small but mighty. Right. Mm -hmm. And very devoted members, longtime members that care about women advancing in this profession, both in terms of law firms and into the judiciary and whatever other areas we can to advance. And you're going to find that the ones that have, have been devoted to that organization for many, many years are conti will continue to be, and they'll right. be there for you. And, and I think that's a very important membership. And giving of yourself and your time to that membership is going to be appreciated by everybody else who's gone before you because they know exactly what it takes to, to be the president. Well, and that organization is coming up on 50 years. And even, you know, it, at your 
installation banquet the other night, I mean, I saw women who were, you know, the second and fourth and seventh presidents mm -hmm. of the organization, and they are so dedicated. And the the best thing about that organization is that the whole point is that it's not ageist. The woman who was, you know, one of our first presidents of that organization was, I think, one of the first people to welcome me when I came to an event, like my first year of practice. And I credit my involvement early on. So I served on the board for nine years, which Amy pulled me into when I was a young lawyer. You're welcome. Um, but I wasn't working here. I had clerked here in law school and then started at a defense firm, as many of you know. And you pulled me in, I mean, because we stayed in touch before I returned to our firm. So, you know, as far as that recruiting too, getting involved in that organization, I credit a lot of the good connections I have in our community because that is such a powerful group of women who are important in this community and it's such an easy access to them. Mm -hmm. So whereas a lot of doors as young women when you come out into our profession are closed, that one is wide open to you and that's the best thing about that organization and I mean to its credit it continues to do that for new lawyers year after year and keeping younger lawyers engaged. So Liz, you're involved in a lot of organizations, not only legal organizations, but also you're involved in some other cultural and civic organizations, which I've always admired you for because I like kind of scratched the surface of like the legal extracurriculars, but you've taken it a step further. So tell us about your work on the Board of Legal Services and then the other civic organizations you're in. Yeah, and, and just for anyone who may be unfamiliar, Legal Services is a nonprofit organization, and, and there's a couple different legal services throughout the state of Missouri. Specifically, Legal Services of Eastern Missouri serves the eastern side of the state, and they provide not only legal but more holistic services for indigent clients. So basically, those folks who can't afford an attorney are able to go to legal services and get really great representation to help them through several different issues that they may be having, whether it's from housing to needing, you know, an order of protection sometimes. And, and actually, that's where I first became familiar with legal services was I was an intern my 2L summer with their family law unit, helping victims and survivors of domestic violence achieve orders of protection, but also going through divorce, custody, things like that. They also help with getting benefits. So there's, they're just wonderful people. It's a wonderful organization. They are just a, a truly phenomenal part of our legal community and something that I've been involved in since I was in law school. And so a couple years ago, I got a phone call asking if I might be interested in serving on the Young Friends Board and specifically what the Young Friends of Legal Services is intended, what our mission is, is to try to basically spread the word about legal services and get younger attorneys involved because not only are there attorneys there, but also it is a, it's really important to make sure that the St. Louis, really the greater metro area, attorneys are aware of legal services, know how they can help, especially with volunteering. And so that's our goal is to just make sure that young attorneys and especially 
future attorneys, so those law students, make sure we catch them while they're in that pipeline so that we can have that involvement and just keep a really robust organization. And so I've, I've been very lucky to be on that board for a couple of years now. I started out as a, the social chair. And then COVID hit, and suddenly... <laughs> so, you didn't have any work yeah, to do. <laughs> I, I don't think I could have booked any more Zoom hangouts. Oh. And so I stepped down from that role. And recently, actually, I just took on the position of the nominating chair. So it's interesting hearing everyone talk about how they've been approached, because now I'm sort of the person that's on the other end of approaching people and trying to get them involved in this organization. And I really... I don't know, I, I've really enjoyed my time. It, it's been brief so far. I just became the nominating chair a couple of a couple of months ago. We haven't had too many spots that needed to be filled, but it's it's been a nice way to serve on the board and be active and also kind of be a bit of a spokesperson for for our board. So that's something that I've really enjoyed. But the other organization that I've been pretty heavily involved in in the last couple of years is called Gateway Korea Foundation. What our mission at GKF is to spread Oh, awareness and understanding of Korean culture in connection with specifically Korean arts. And so that's a pretty wide ranging topic. I mean, we have things like we schedule like a, an annual harvest festival, which is sort of our Thanksgiving. We just had that a couple a couple weeks ago. We host various events and basically just try to expose as many people to Korean culture in the area, but also be sort of a hub for Korean Americans, especially first generation Americans. Uh, provide them that that sense of community and connection, especially when they may be so far away from home or. And this is more for people like me who maybe grew up in the United States and, and didn't have much of a connection to their culture. This it, has been a great learning opportunity for me. And so that's been really important to me is to, uh, one, further explore my cultural background and get an understanding of that. But I think, Elizabeth, the phrase you used was call to serve. And that's how I look at it is I recognize that the Korean American community in St. Louis, we're pretty small, but I recognize and appreciate the fact that being an attorney gives me some some privileges and maybe some talents that I can use to contribute back to not only the Korean American community, but also to the St. Louis area in general. And so that's something I've been really honored to be able to fulfill that role. Liz, my favorite thing about you serving in that organization is like after the Harvest Festival you had this past weekend, you have the best pictures to bring back of <laughs> what you've been doing over the weekend. And I very much enjoy that. So thank you, everyone, for joining us for this episode. I think what we can all take away is it's really important to stay connected to your professional community and saying yes and answering that ask and putting yourself out there with a very critical component, which is the support of strong women who I hope that you are surrounded with as we all get the privilege to have here. So join us next time for another episode of Heels in the Courtroom. Our new episodes drop on Wednesdays and you can get them wherever you find your podcasts. Bye. Heels in the Courtroom is brought to you by the Simon Law Firm. At the Simon Law Firm PC, we believe in the power of pooling resources in order to create powerful results. We often lend our trial skills and experience to lawyers around the country to achieve better results for their clients. 
Our attorneys welcome the opportunity to work with you on your case, offering vast resources, seasoned litigators, and a sterling reputation. You can contact us at 314-241-2929. And if you enjoyed the podcast, feel free to share your thoughts with Amy, Liz, Erica, Mary, Elizabeth, and Megan at heelsinthecourtroom.law. And subscribe today, because the best lawyers never stop learning. <laughs>